If you have your Bibles, go ahead and uh, turn to an Old Testament story that we're going to look at today. We're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 21. And hopefully you have notes today and you can follow along, fill in the blanks. I want to remind everybody, uh, John Anderson is leading our, uh, our men's, men's ministry. And uh, this Tuesday night, Band of Brothers is going to continue to meet. And they start a brand new book, Man Alive. And that's Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. So join John and a whole group of guys that are doing a Bible study, Man Alive. So today's name is the one who lifts my head. And in the original language, uh, the name is Rumrosh, Rumrosh. And it's found in, in Psalm 3.3, but you, O Lord, are a shield around me, the glory, the one who lifts my head. Have you ever needed to have your head lifted? Not a face lift, a, a head lift. You know, life has a way at times of overwhelming us, overloading us. Cares, worries, fears, disappointments, stress, anxiety. Have you ever said, God, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can take another day of this. I don't know if I can go one more hour. You just get you get piled on, and the first thing to go is your head. Your head gets just overwhelmed and overcome, and you can just tell by looking at somebody that the cares of life are just overloading. And the first thing that starts to notice is your head. Your head just gets overwhelmed, and it gets bogged down. I remember going, in many years, in fact, uh, spoken at the Holy Spirit Conference over in Zambia. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pastors. And I don't know what it is, but the pastors would come forward for prayer, and they'd be just sulking, and, and, and the first thing that goes is their shoulder, and then their, and then their heads, and they come to the altar. And I remember many times just praying for them, and the first thing I would say to them is, Lift, lift your head, right? Look up. I know you're fearful. I know you're afraid. I know you're exhausted. I know you're angry. I know that you are overwhelmed, but you've got you've to look up and lift your head up. And many times God is Ram Rosh. He's the God who lifts our head. How many of you are here today and you've, you can say at least once in your life you've, you, you've had God lift your head? Yeah, a lot of you. We're going to talk about that today. But, but 
God lifts our head, and then there's sometimes where you have to help lift someone's head. Someone you come in contact with, someone that is overwhelmed and bogged down, and, and the Bible says we're called to carry one another's burden, right? God's not the only one that lifts heads. I think that we come in contact with one another, and, and if you're upset and you're depressed and you're fearful and you're overwhelmed, that you can say some things and you can pray for somebody, you can, you can lift their head. And then not only is God the one who lifts our head, but sometimes we lift other people's head, and then sometimes you just got to lift your own head. Nobody's going to do it for you. That's when David said, I'm going I'm to lift my head. I'm going to lift my eyes. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 121. When I was in the Chiapa Mountains many, many years ago in Mexico, Larry Myers was a wonderful missionary and his camp was right on the bottom of this big, beautiful hill. And I remember as a young man writing down Psalm 121, that mountain in the Chiapas, 13,856 feet mountain. You wake up and you look up and there's this big old mountain. Never forget it. Incredible reminder that when you are down, when you are defeated, when you are discouraged, when you are depressed, when you are overcome, Sometimes you've got to lift your own head and you've got to lift it up and say, I'm going to lift my head. I'm going to lift my eyes. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. So sometimes God does it. Sometimes other people do it. But sometimes you've got to do it yourself. We're going to look at David today, a man after God's own heart. He found himself in a, in a cave he found himself running for his life. And in that cave, God revealed himself to David, and he lifted his head. We're going to look at lessons we can learn from sitting in a cave. And I don't know if you've ever been in a cave with your head is down and you're discouraged and you're hopeless and there's no solutions, there's no answers. God has a way, even in a cave, of lifting your head and giving you ability to see things the way God sees them. Now, David is known as a man after God's own heart, but I'm getting ready to read you a story where it's a little, it's a little crazy. In fact, David acts like he's insane. That's kind of odd. How many know that life will make you crazy sometimes? It will make you do things you never thought you were ever going to do. But even when you are going crazy... And you don't understand what's going on. God is still there and he's there to lift your head and give you a perspective that he's in charge and he's going to get you through whatever you're faced with today. So let's do this. Let's start off today with everybody with your shoulders back and your head up. And I want you to lift your head. As bad as it is, as depressed as you are, as lonely as you are this Christmas season, God is Ramrosh, the one who lifts my head. And let it be said of people in Belle Isle Community Church that we are people. We go through things, we've got struggles, we've got issues, we've got weaknesses, but we are a people who allow God to lift our head because he's the glory and the lifter of our head. Amen. So let's go to Psalm uh, 1 Samuel. 
And I'm going to read you this story, then I'm going to just give you some principles, then we're going to have communion here in just a few moments. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 10. If you're with me, say amen. That day, David fled from Saul. Saul was a king, and David was close with Saul. And, and how many know that sometimes those closest to you are the ones that bring the most pain? So David was fleeing from Saul, and Saul had an army that was chasing him, and he went to Ashish, king of Gath. But the servant said to him, isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain thousands, and David has slain 10,000. And David took these words to heart. Church, let me remind you this morning, moms, dads, grandmas, words have power. The Bible says that David heard these songs and he took them to heart. And he was very much afraid of Ashes, the king of Gath. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman making marks on the door of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Man. And Asher said to his servants, look, this man, he's insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? I love that. Am I so short of madmen? Must this man come to my house? And then here's what I want to talk about this morning. And David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. His brothers and his father's household heard about it. They went down with him there. And all those who were distressed, in debt, and discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. So how many know David's in a low spot here? Life is not well. Saul is after him. He is afraid. Every moment his head is getting lower and lower, and now he finds himself in a cave, the cave of Adullam. And in this cave, I believe David learned some valuable lessons, and you and I can learn lessons as well. Even when we are, our head is low and we're in a cave, God can teach us valuable lessons. Amen? So the first lesson that that, that, that we need to learn from as we're sitting in a cave is caves are everywhere and for everyone. Watch this. No one is immune to caves. Caves are everywhere and they're for everyone. They are trials. They are temptations. They are that season of wilderness. And in those caves, you can learn some very valuable lessons. How many ever been in a cave? It's dark. Lonely, it's cold. And how many know that life is filled with caves? They're everywhere and they're for everyone. You are not going to live life and escape being in a cave. But it's in those caves that you learn valuable lessons that will make you into the man and the woman that God wants you to be. Don't, don't, don't try to avoid the caves in your life. Embrace them. Part of life, they're going to be around. And it's how you respond that will determine the lesson that you learn. Can I get an amen? 
Caves are everywhere and caves are for everyone. Number two, caves usually follow victories. When you walk in victory and you have an incredible season in your life, be careful because usually times of trials come after great victories. And here is the great victory. The Bible says that the people were singing of David. David is the one that's killed that 10,000. He is the man after God's own heart. He was experiencing great victories and then suddenly he was thrust into a cave. Remember, after every great victory is usually a time of great testing. Now, I don't usually quote Plato, but look at the quote in here about, about victories and, and, and caves. Excess generally causes reaction and produces a chain change in the opposite direction, whether it be in seasons, in individuals, or in governments. What was Plato saying? He was saying, be careful because after a great victory is also going to come a great time of testing. Look at Jesus when he was in the wilderness and he was baptized by John. God opened the heavens and said to Jesus, I love you, I believe in you, I'm with you. And then the very next sentence says, and then the Spirit of God, what? Drove him into the wilderness. Look at Elijah. 1 Kings chapter 19. He called down fire from heaven. And then the very next day, he got a text message from Jezebel. And the Bible says he ran for his life and he was sitting under a tree suicidal and depressed. After every great victory, usually comes a time of great testing and a time where you're in the cave. Be careful after every great victory because it's usually followed by a time of testing. The second lesson that we learn is that caves follow victories. Number three, I love this one. Caves are not bad. Caves are tools that God will use to get your attention and ultimately be a blessing for you. Caves are not bad in of themselves. It's what you learn in those caves that will determine your future and your destiny. Look what uh, Henry Cloud said. Everything has seasons, and we have to be able to recognize when something's time has passed and be able to move on to the next season. Everything that is alive requires pruning as well, which is a great metaphor for endings. Caves are not bad. God has brought you to this place to get your attention, and ultimately, he's allowing this to be a blessing for you. You know, a couple years ago, Tammy and I went, actually, the church sent us for our 10-year anniversary. We went to, to Greece for about 10 days. And one of the highlights for me was I went into the place where John uh, the Revelator wrote the book of Revelation. He was on an island called Patmos. And guess where he was when he wrote the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation? Guess where he was? You're probably thinking he was in a palace. You're probably thinking he had maids and he had wine service and he had all the food that he wanted to have and life was great. No, John the Revelator wrote the book of Revelations in a cave. And we went in that cave. It was moving. It wasn't pretty. It was cold. It was damp. It was kind of depressing. Watch this. 
The cave was a beautiful atmosphere for John to get a vision from God to give to us. Caves are not always bad. They can be very good for you, and they will reveal to you the heart of God if you allow them to. Can I get an amen? So caves are everywhere and and for everyone. Number two, caves follow victories. Number three, caves are not bad. And then number four, caves reveal real friends. Real friends. Notice there in in the story that I read to you that everybody who was distressed and in debt and discontented came to David's side. There was 400 men that rallied behind David. Now, when I read this, the first thing I thought was, 400 guys in a cave? That could be problematic. That's a lot of food. Arguing over which football game we're going to watch. I mean, there, there's some details there that, that, that are problematic, but I want you to notice that when David needed real friends, God brought all those that were in debt, discontented, and distressed And he brought them to David's side to lift his head. Caves reveal real friends. And I want to just take a moment to tell this church how much our family appreciates what you have done for us. It's been four years now since Austin's accident. I'll never get over it. It will always be there. But when I think of David and how God sent those men to his side in his darkest days, I think of Belle Isle Community Church. Somehow God knew that this was all going to happen. I didn't plan for this. I didn't see this coming. I was blindsided. I wrote a book about it called Blindsided because it came out of nowhere. But I can tell you, the cave that we were in, many times feel like we're still in, God has used all of you in a beautiful way to bring us comfort and peace. We know that we're not alone. And I want to thank you for that. I hope that I say it often. I really do believe God used you to help us in the most critical times in our lives. And I'm forever grateful. Why? Because caves reveal real friends. And there were some people in our lives that we thought were friends. That turned on us in our darkest moment. Hurt us. Wounded us. Talked about us. Gossiped about us. Nobody in this church because you were real friends. And when you're in your darkest moment, your closest friends will be revealed. And now I've got a softer place in my heart for people that are going through it. I've got a softer place in my life where when people are going through it, I want to rally. I want to be a real friend to them because it's in the cave that you are revealed, your closest friends. Now, what does that mean to you? There's somebody in your life that you need to rally behind. There's somebody in your life that you need to come alongside. There's somebody in your life that you need to lift their head and be like those 400 men and say to David, I'm with you. 
I know it's dark. I know it's damp. I know this is not pretty. I know this is not what you planned for. But I want you to know I'm here with you. You can count on me. Why? Because caves reveal real friends. And you know what God wants you to do? He wants you to be a real friend. And here it is. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to give them a sermon. You don't have to act like you've got it all together. Just be there for them. Less is more. A couple years ago, our daughter Allison, who was, uh, at the time, she was a school teacher. She graduated from Rollins uh, College and went to Metro West on a program to help uh, 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 schools that, that are struggling. And her first year was COVID. She was teaching, you know, uh, 25 kids in person and, and 25 kids online, and none of them spoke English. I mean, it, was, it was just a crazy situation. But in the midst of all that, one of her, one of her students passed away uh, in a car accident. She came to me and said, Dad, what do I do? She said, I want to go to the hospital. What do I do? And I looked at Allison. I said, Allison, don't say a thing. Just go and be there. Be a source of strength, a source of courage. What was I doing? I was taking all the pressure off of her of having to have an answer. How many know that when you're going through a tough time and it's been a difficult situation, you can't sum that up in, in, in a couple words? You can't come up with a reason why. Don't try to do that. When you are attracted to a friend who's going through hardship, just be there for them. Just your presence should bring great strength and comfort them. And don't try to solve it for them. Just be a friend. And that's what these guys did, 400 of them. They came to David in the cave of Adullam, and they were a source of great comfort and strength for him. Can I get an amen? Last, number five, caves reveal the real you. The real you is revealed in that dark moment, in that dark cave. Look what Jim Rome said. You must take responsi- personal responsibility. You cannot change the circumstances, the seasons, or the wind, but you can change yourself. That is something you can have charge over. And caves will reveal the you, real you. How do you respond when God puts you in that cave? And then number six, Bruce, if you'll come up to the keyboard. Here's the ultimate goal when you're going through a tough time and God needs to lift your head. Caves drive you to God. Caves will drive you to God so that God can lift your head. Caves will drive you to God and they either drive you away or they drive you to. And God is using this cave in your life, the cave of Adullam, to drive you to God. Now, let's go real quick to Psalm 142 because this is the psalm that David wrote in the cave of Adullam. It's Psalm 142. By the way, Adullam means justice for the people. Justice for the people. I love that. Does it mean it's going to work out exactly the way you thought it was? No, probably not. But there is justice, justice for the people. That'd be a good billboard. Justice for the people. Right? God's going to lift our head. God's going to get you through this. God's not going to allow you to be destroyed. There's justice. 
if you allow it to drive you to him, allow him to be your strength in your darkest moments. So look what David said in Psalm 142. I cry aloud to the Lord. I will lift up my voice to God for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint before I tell him my troubles. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there's no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge, no one cares for my life. But I cry to you, Lord. I say to you, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather around me because of your goodness to me. Wow. David wrote that beautiful psalm in the darkest days of his life. And he realized that he had to look to God to be his, his refuge in a dark, dark time. In just a moment, we're going we're gonna to give you the, the privilege of coming to the supper table to receive communion. It's a wonderful moment for you to exchange your guilt, your pain, your sorrow, and receive the goodness of God. His body was broken and bruised so that yours may be well. His blood was shed that you may have forgiveness of sin. And it's a wonderful time for you to, to, to run to God for him to be your source of strength. If your head is down, if you're discouraged, if you feel like you're in a cave, allow this experience to drive you to God. Let him be your source of strength and courage and peace and hope through Jesus Christ.